Well, I am going to begin a brand new series that Pastor wants us to start on this month, the month of, uh, what month is this? August. <laughs> yeah, they're all running together, you know. But So we're going to talk about the importance of the Word of God. And how many know the, the Word of God is very important? And one of the things that I probably am not grateful enough about is that one of the things that that happened in my growing up is they taught me the Word of God. There might have been a lot of other things that were wrong or right, but they, they taught me the Bible. And when I had the, the opportunity to go to Bible school, you know, I, you realized how much that your parents and their teaching, how much impact it had on, on me. Because when I took classes in Bible college, like the book of Acts or First Corinthians, I would get, you know, straight A's. And then when I would have English, I'd get C's and D's. But... <laughs> But I knew the Bible, didn't know a lot of other things. But we're going to talk about the importance of the, the Bible. And then the next slide is the, the, the connection of the Bible and discipleship. And what we are called to do and to be about as God's people is discipling others. And so uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 42, this is the picture of the early church. What they were doing, what it looked like. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship in the breaking of bread and to prayer. So this is what they were all about. Now, how many know they didn't have the Bible yet because it was being written in that time period? But they, they were collecting what was being taught from the apostolic leaders, and then eventually it became the Bible, what we know as the Bible today. And so, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, uh, this is called the Great Commission. Every one of you probably know this, these verses very well, but Jesus is just about ready to leave the planet, and he says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." So the commission, what we are to be about, what the church exists for, ex why do we exist? The primary reason that we exist is to disciple, is to disciple others. So the greatest responsibility that the church has is discipleship. Jesus tells his disciples, go out, make more disciples. While the, uh, the evangelical church has done a good job of it, evangelizing and bringing people into the faith, we have oftentimes not been uh, as faithful in the second part of, of Jesus' command, and that is to teach them, say teach, we're to teach them to obey the words that Jesus gave us. That gets to the heart of discipleship. So the real problem with the American church is that we have made everything else a priority rather than discipleship. Now I know that discipleship is very important in this body, in this church body, but what we have to understand, God never said go into all the world and make converts. He didn't say get everybody to pray the sinner's prayer. Nothing wrong with that, we want to do that, but the main purpose that we have as God's people is to disciple. And how, what do we disciple them in? We disciple them in the Word of God. And the real, you know, the real, uh, real truth is, and I'm not trying to be negative, but if you listen to probably most of the mega church sermons this morning that is going to be preached, and I've done this just as, you know, as a test a couple times, but 
you get very little of the Word of God in that. There's very little of, of the Bible being preached. And so, even if the Bible is being taught for most Christians in America when they go to church, they get 30-minute Bible teaching on Sunday morning, and then they, the rest of the week, they're absent from the Bible. Now, I know, not you guys. You guys read the Bible every day with those people, other people, you know. But we have to understand that it is so important that we have a biblical worldview, that we see the world through the eyes of the Bible. One of the things that is becoming a tragedy in our culture today is that only 6% of Americans adhere to biblical worldview. Only 6% of the population of our nation see the world, see through the eyes of the Bible. 9% of those identifying as Christians possess a, a biblical worldview. So this is George Barna polls and such, but only 9% of Christians have a biblical worldview. And a new nationwide survey of American Christian pastors shows that a majority of pastors lack a biblical worldview. In fact, just slightly more than uh, a third, 37%, possess a biblical worldview. So just think about that. 37% of the pastors in America is all that have a biblical worldview. I don't know what they're teaching. I don't know what they're talking about. But so a lot of times people will say, okay, what is a biblical worldview? I don't know if I have one or not. This is how simple it is. Let me just, these are the things you have to possess to have a, a biblical worldview. Do, uh, do absolute moral truths exist? I'm, I'm looking for a response. Yeah. <laughs> Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Is God the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe, and does he still rule it today? Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Is Satan in hell real? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith uh, in Christ with other people? Is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? Yeah. Guess what? You have a biblical worldview. <laughs> so, uh, I was looking at this article, and this is, this is actually pre-COVID. So, it hasn't gotten better. I'll just put it that way. But let me just highlight a few things in the article. It's called The Deficit of Discipleship, How the American Church is Off Mission. And this is uh, by a guy named Alan uh, White. That may seem like a ridiculous statement considering the number of growing megachurches and multi-site multi churches around the country. How could the church be off mission with record crowds? Well, let's go back and look at the church's mission statement. Regardless of how churches can rephrase and reframe their mission statements, this is the mission to go and make disciples. The church is not called to make converts. In fact, to lead people in a prayer without offering them a pathway and companions for the journey is irresponsible. So what are we about? We are about making disciples. And the question that I would have that as a believer, who are you discipling right now? Who, is, who are the people in your life that you're discipling? And they could be pre-saved 
or already saved, but that you're discipling them. It doesn't mean that you have a class at your house, that they all come, set around in the circle. You can do that. That's right, fine, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you building relationships with people, and through your life, you are discipling them in the truth of God's Word and the reality of who God is. And every one of us are called to do that. Now, we see the model of that uh, in, in the life of Jesus. Jesus set the model for how we should disciple others. He would have times that he would speak to the multitudes. We love to get a crowd together, don't we? But more importantly, he also had 70, and he sent those 70 out. He was discipling them. He had 12 disciples, even the word that we we call them the 12 disciples. Why? Because Jesus was discipling them. And then even among the 12, there were three uh, John, Peter, and James that were in the inner circle. They were the ones that, you know, went to the Mount Transfiguration. He was even discipling them even in a more intense way. So every one of us have to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. How does a church grow? What we think of is church grows because pastor preaches a sermon and says, come down to the altar, you know, come on down, and then you, you give your heart to Jesus. Nothing wrong with that, but the reality is that's not the way it was intended in the, in the overall, in the larger picture. It's you and me in our day-to-day lives with the people that we come in contact with, the people that we know, the people that we build relationships with, that we are discipling them in the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And what should be happening is that you bring, every once in a while you come and say, you don't have to say this specifically, but you should bring your disciples with you to church, right? You should bring the people that you are discipling with you. So many churches attempt to convert their crowd into some form uh, of discipleship through an assimilation. We must assimilate, you know, take this class, take this class, make this commitment, sign this card. Yet an assembly line process doesn't work with people. They aren't raw materials, and they don't all start at the same place. Everybody's different. Everybody's got a different past, got a different story that brought you to this point. Processes are inadequate for making disciples. Any mass approach to discipleship is a failure. Assimilation doesn't make disciples. Worship service don't make disciples. And sermons don't make disciples. But these are the things that we think are the most important. I love worship. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love praying together. I love, uh, you know... Hearing the word of God taught and preached, and I love those things, but that in of itself is not what's making disciples. Me and you are called to make disciples in our day-to-day lives, building relationships with people. I I love this picture, kind of, uh, it's not like exactly has to be exactly like this, but it gives you kind of an idea. The first thing is that if you're not saved, you must be born again, right? And then when you are born again, then you start into the process of becoming a disciple. Uh, The first part is needs guidance. Second part, self-focused, kingdom-focused. Then where you are a disciple-maker, and then you are 
finally get to the place when you got gray hair. I'm just kidding. But making disciple makers, that you are not just making disciples, and you're not just making disciple makers, but you are making disciple makers, you know? Yeah, something like that. So, but this is that process. But the reality, is this what the normal Christian life looks like? It's, it's not, is it? And the reality is, what are we discipling people in? We are discipling people in the Word of God, the Bible, right? The B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. The Bible. I know. I messed up my children's church. I'm sorry. But in the Word of God, look what Paul wrote to Timothy and says, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all, from all of it. Verse 12, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil and imposters will, uh, will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. The next verse, verse 14, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. What I've got to remain faithful to? The things that I've been taught, the word of God, I've been, the things I was discipled in. You know... They are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. The greatest thing that you can give a child is to train them in the Scriptures. It's the best thing you can give them. That's why it should be a priority that we have children's programs, not processes, but that in that, with children, with young people, that we are training them in the scriptures. It was Hitler that said, you give me a child till he's eight, he'll be a Nazi the rest of his life. Why is it so important that we invest in teaching the word of God to children? Because it is being imprinted in their hearts and their minds for the rest of their life. And Paul was writing to Timothy, who was a very young pastor, and he said, from the time you were a child, you were taught in the Scriptures. The Scriptures were taught to you. And then he goes on, and uh, this is the famous quote in verse 16 and 17 that Paul writes and says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I love how it just, in the New Living, it just says it. This is, it teaches you what's true, and it teaches you what's wrong in your life. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You should never say, well, you know, I, I know the Bible. How many know that you don't know the Bible? Because <laughs> every time you read it, it's something new, fresh. It's amazing. You know, I've spent 
a, a life, my lifetime studying the Bible, reading the Bible, but every, every week it'll be something that I'll read and I'll go, how did I miss that? It's right in front of my face. And that's called the revelation. Why? Because the Word of God is alive. It's sharper than in any two-edged sword. It's able to divide asunder the soul and the spirit. It, the, the Word of God is inspired. The word there, uh, inspiration, uh, that the, the Scripture is inspired, it means the breath of God. God, whew, He breathed. It, it's it amazing that the same picture that we get of that is when God created Adam in the garden, and then what did He do? He breathed into him. The inspiration that, that made you alive and made you in the creation like God is the same word that He's used in the Scriptures, that it is the breath of God. And when we go to the Bible, we're not just trying to get information, we're trying to receive inspiration and revelation from the, the very breath of God into our lives. And it, it, what's, it, it impacts us in such a way that it brings life to us. It brings hope to us. It gives, uh, gives us direction. It gives us everything that we need. We find it in the scriptures. But what does the devil try to do? He makes, he makes it sound boring or, you know, you don't have time to do it. Or, you know, whatever you've got to do, you've got to stay in the word of God. It's got to be a priority. And so much of, of the Christians of America, they don't know scriptures. Uh, they, there's a term that was used that, the, the, that you know, American Christians have become biblically illiterate. The very simple things even of Scripture and understanding of even, I know you don't like this word, but even understanding the principles of doctrine, we receive all of that by studying the Word of God. And in the day and the hour that we live in, everything uh, in our culture is trying to go in the opposite direction of the Word of God. And, you know, when it says... That good is going to be called evil, and evil is going to be called good. How many know we, we be there? <laughs> We're not waiting for it to come. It's already be here. And, and so what, what we have to do is plant our life in the Word of God and, dis, and be discipled and be discipling others in the, in the truth of the Word. You believe that? Amen. You know, there, there is nothing more exciting than in those moments when God brings revelation through his word and illuminates your heart. It, it changes everything, doesn't it? Everything you need, God has given to us in his word. Every, it, it pertains to all of life, every aspect of life. And that's why I always love that the scriptures, they don't have like just the super people. They have people that are messed up like we are in there, don't they? You know, you think about people like King David and, and, you know, you look at Peter slicing ears off and everything. You're going like, you know, that I can identify with some of that stuff. But it's the revelation of that word in the life of a normal individual. But what happened? They, their life was so impacted by the, by the word of God that these ordinary people turned the world upside down. They turned the world upside down. That's the, the power and the ability of the word of God in our lives that we we have the, we, we, it's in our mouth, right? It's in our mouth. And what, what, what do we do? We declare the word of God in every situation and everything that we face. How many know that in everything in life, no matter what you're going through, and this might be, I always say when you, when you have, you're together at church, this might be the worst day of your life. This might be the best day of your life. But it doesn't make any difference about the word. The word of God is real and available and powerful in every moment of our life. If we will get in it, 
receive it, declare it, and disciple others in it. So why don't we ask the Lord for that today? Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for the power of your word. Lord, I pray, first of all, in any way that we have neglected the word of God in our lives, that you will convict us of that today. And Lord, that we will find the ways and places to reestablish the word of God going into our heart and in our mind. Your word, we need to hide it in our hearts. So God, whether it's listening to it on audible or whatever it might be that we'll get back into the word, we'll fall in love with the word of God again. And then Lord, we pray that you will help us to disciple others in the word of God because it's hidden in our hearts it comes out of our mouth and that we are discipling people day by day in our family our co-workers not trying to shove something down their throat not just trying to thumb them over the head but Lord being able to release the word of God into the lives of people help us to fulfill your mission and that was to go into all the world and make disciples we are disciple makers say that with me i am a disciple maker say that i am a disciple maker that's who we are god that's what you've called us to do lord in any way that we feel inadequate or we we feel shy or whatever might be that's holding us back lord let us just be bold and step out by faith and i i just really believe this that as I was praying about this this morning that the Lord is going to show you some people and some of you are already discipling and you just don't recognize it or see it but I, I think the Lord's going to identify some people that that you're in contact with in your life this week and he's going to highlight them like it'll be like the glow over them the Holy Spirit's going to say you're to disciple this one you're to disciple this one and when, you, when you're called to disciple someone, that means it, you might have to be inconvenienced. Uh, there might be sacrifice involved. But that you're doing it as unto the Lord because he's directing you to do it. Lord, we, we thank you that there's, this is a room full of disciple makers. Help us to identify that in our life and the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.